Hello and welcome to the Three Plane Sports Podcast. Just three plane guys from the Great Plains talking a lot of sports, some sorts of betting, and maybe doing a little drinking along the way. I am your host and producer, Dylan, joined by two guys who I hope are as excited about the new Herbie Husker as I am. First, betting on what appears to be every single soccer game ever played, Colorado legal system refugee and our Twitter presence, Colin. Good evening. Finally, on a personal manhunt for the piece of shit who assaulted Dinger during a Rockies game last week, handyman and Oakland Athletics coach-in-waiting, Sam. Thank you, Dylan. So, uh, let's get started, jump right into the pregame. We are recording this on Monday, April 17th. Uh, Currently, the Astros are playing uh, the Blue Jays, and I'm starting to feel worse about my bet, just because I think that might not have been the smartest smartest thing in the world. But let's jump into the pregame where I pick some news items. Uh, One that you guys have probably already heard and had hashed out a billion times, and I'm sure have a lot of opinions on. But, uh, Sam, have you ever, uh, is there a penalty in our, uh, uh, fantasy league, either one of them for tanking? There will be this coming season. I was, it was the black mark on my commissioner status in that league as we went into the sort of keeper format that I did not put anything like concretely in writing, but there will be, yes, you should not be tanking by, by setting your lineup poorly. You can tank organizationally by trading players for picks. You cannot play your worst guys for the sake of losing your game. Uh, have you decided what the penalty is going to be? Um, I I have not yet. I'm brainstorming that in the off season. Okay. Hopefully, it's less than the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars that the Dallas Mavericks were fined for um, allegedly. Well, I guess not alleged because they've already been fined uh, for resting players, i.e. tanking late in the season versus the Bulls, uh, which uh, is probably an organization you would have to sit quite a few decent players to uh, actually lose against. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys the Bulls were sitting players as well. Right. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard a lot about this. Turns out you can like tanking is legal in the NBA. It just costs you seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It actually cost Mark Cuban 1.5 mil on his own decision because he matched the the fine with an additional donation to charity, basically as a middle finger to Adam Silver, which I pretty much respect, even though I didn't respect the tanking because Adam Silver is a gigantic pushover bitch of a commissioner, and that was that was a, a pathetic punishment in my opinion. And then Mark Cuban like basically laughed it off and said, "That's fucking chump change. Well, I'll do it again." Yeah, they should they should uh, start taking away scholarships. Uh, never mind. Uh, but uh, do, do you guys like? Is this a is this like a Winbiyama thing, or is this why are they tanking? No. Oh, they have no know. shot. Um, isn't it because if they are outside of a certain range, they, they lose their pick. If they are if their pick is outside of the top ten, it goes to I believe the Knicks. Uh, oh. Maybe the Nets. Actually, I think the Nets. I don't remember. Yeah, for the Kyrie trade. Um, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, yeah so they, they were like 11th worst in the league. I can't remember, honestly, exactly where they finished. I think they're still probably going to lose their pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it, it, the lottery obviously isn't shaking out yet. But that's what it was all about. They, they're they not in contention for the one overall pick. They're just praying they get to add some talent because they're a disaster. So that's like extra shitty and heinous than if you're doing it just because, yeah, okay. I, I got that, and I agree a lot more with it now. 
Yeah, um, it was just disgusting because people want to shit on organa- organizations that do a more methodical and, like, sort of thought-out tanking. But when the Mavs did it, like, people were like, oh, the Thunder did this for two years. And it's just like, those are completely different. Like, it, like they still had a shot at the playoffs. Uh, was it a little, was it, was it an easy route? No, because they needed the Thunder to lose one of their games. And the Thunder wouldn't have sat players if we had to win both of those games. And it was just, it was just blatant too. Like, heh. All right, Luke is going to play the first quarter of the game against the Bulls, but then we're going to we're going to rest him. You're resting him for nothing. Why not just fucking sit him at that point? Like that that it it, it treated it like it was a preseason football game. The answer to that literally yeah, that's that that is a good point. The <laughs> preseason football straight, straight up that's what they did, but the reason they even played Luka is because it was Slovenian night for the Mavs. So there, there was like droves. People traveled into the country, probably not on a massive scale, but like from Slovenia to come see him play in like a little bit of a community gathering of sorts and plenty of other people, you know, from the community close by came to the game specifically to celebrate this event and they were just going to sit his ass entirely, but they felt bad enough to let him play a quarter and kind of get get his cheers and get all the fans happy and then they're like, get the fuck out. And then Jaden Hardy hits a half-court shot uh, like uh, at the halftime buzzer to make it a 13-point game and they're like, alright, fuck you kid, you're done too. And they pulled him for the second half. Like, they were just... So egregiously trying to lose, and Jason Kidd even admitted it. That's that's something that has, has not happened to this point. Is that a coach has come out and said, pretty much like he said, we were gonna play those guys until we were told to try something else, <laughs> and then like they just at halftime, fucking pulled them, man. It's uh, that, that shit pisses me off. I'm sorry, I'm going on and on, but they, I'm pretty, I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Colin, uh, when you were growing up, uh, your elementary school or maybe even your middle school, did you ever have a food fight in the cafeteria? Can't say I did. Well, you're in luck because there's still an opportunity to do so, apparently as an adult. Uh, last Tuesday, dollar dog night at uh, Citizens Bank Park, uh, as the Phillies were taking on the Marlins, devolved into an adult food fight throughout the stadium. That's fucking disgusting. I, I'd be one. You're spending way too much money on that food if you're getting it. Two dollar dog. Oh it's shit! Dollar yeah. dog night. Well, anyone throwing any other food though? Jesus Christ! Like that's disgusting in the first place. Uh, second place, fuck that. You're, you're goddamn adults. Unless it was fucking quarter beer night as well, where you're just no. hammered doing it. They God, did that. That's... They did that in the seventies at whatever the whatever it used to be, the uh, stadium used to be called in Cleveland. Uh, the Cleveland the Indians at the time, uh, the Cleveland baseball team, uh, did a ten cent beer night. Oh, I, oh, I know where, that was yeah, a disaster. You could, go, you could go buy like a dollars worth of beers, and they would just hand them to you, and you had to carry them all back. And there was like so much foam that they just keep. Eventually, they stopped charging people, and everybody just got absolutely shit faced. There was like. Uh, uh, the fans rushed the field to starting start beating the crap out of the opposing players. I don't remember what team it was, uh, and then so like, uh, Cleveland players had to try to tear like the fans off of the opposing players, and then so they started punching their own. Pe- it was just a massive like fight, and they'll never do that again. Yeah, I remember that. There was a thirty for thirty, I think, on that. 
but I'm sure Sam would open would uh would approach a dollar dog night with a wide open mouth uh, in such a food fight, hoping that maybe he'll maybe he'll catch something. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but in, but in case you missed it from last week, uh, Dollar Dog Night will return to Citizens Bank Park on April 25th and May 9th. So you have two more opportunities to go uh, experience it. And maybe uh, maybe lightning will strike twice. It's in Philadelphia. I have a hunch it will strike twice. <laughs> do you think they grease up the hot dogs like they like they do the uh, the poles, the light poles? <laughs> they can't can't throw them if they can't handle them. <laughs> Uh, and then also in baseball news, a Twins shortstop, Kyle Farmer, will have his teeth realigned after taking a 91.5-mile-an-hour fastball to the jaw from Lucas Giolito. I hope I'm saying that right. Lucas Giolito in the Twins series with the White Sox last week. Uh, Giolito was visibly distraught after the incident and walked the next batter and then went, went on to allow the first run of the game, I believe, uh, on a ground out by former Royals standout Michael A. Taylor. Yeah, Michael A. Taylor killed us that series, but uh, he did not kill us quite the way Lucas Giolito killed half of Kyle Farmer's brain cells. <laughs> do you think he'll ever, like, talk right again, or do you think he'll always come to have, like, a little droopy mouth, you know? Like, never <laughs> I be can't... able to understand him again? I can't make an educated guess because I really have no idea, but I'm rooting for the, the, the droopy, fucked-up face and the weird-sounding voice. Maybe his, uh, maybe his, like, jaw will always click from now on. It'll have, like, this constant reminder of this pitcher who's going to be just a, like, tiny, tiny statistical footnote at some <laughs> point in the future whose who's baseball cards are going to be worth, like, five cents in ten years. Dude, what's year wild? <laughs> Dude, what's fucking wild is I was watching uh, another uh, White Sox game the other day, and a motherfucker, I can't remember who did it. I <laughs> He dumb. Yeah, Graveman dome rocked someone, and that one wasn't as bad as the former one where it, like it didn't hit the helmet. But he and the, whoever it was up to up to the plate was able to sort of tuck their shoulder, it glanced the shoulder, and got their helmet. Otherwise, if he didn't tuck the shoulder, it would have put him right in the back of the neck, and that would have been fucking horrible. Socks don't play around. Well, if you can't play winning baseball, you might as well play killing baseball. Damn straight. And then uh, one last item in baseball news. Uh, We we talked about the rule changes and the pitch clock, especially, um, you know, a few different episodes on this podcast. I just wanted to let you both know that the Red Sox versus the Angels, I believe that was yesterday. I think that was a Sunday game. uh, Ended in under two hours. An hour 57 was the final yeah. official time. I legitimately that, would kind of feel ripped off if I went to the ballpark and that is that an is hour 57. Peak Manfred ball. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's both good and bad like for those like higher scoring games where they can like stay like going long and shit. Like it it curbs them, but then also you just go through a fucking game and that long if it's a like what well, that game ended 2-1 if i remember right that shit that sort of fucking sucks it kills like you, you're going to the it's like a day at the ballpark or the afternoon at the ballpark not a not a movie at the ballpark the length of time pretty much yeah that legitimately nba games can go like stretch about a full two hours if not more and 
college basketball games are almost always done within like at about two hours. Uh, I, I would ex- I expect double that out of a baseball game, and I kind of miss it honestly. Uh, do you, uh, I do a little bit too, especially because I do a lot. I do listen to a lot of baseball when I'm doing other shit around the house. But do we think overall uh, personal bias about wanting to listen, wanting more content aside? Do we think two-hour baseball is a good or bad thing for baseball? That's tough. I think it's. I, I think, think it's, it's slightly good. I would say two-hour baseball is an overcorrection, and but I, I don't know. I would probably say it's better. That's I don't, what Manfred I, I really wants. I don't know. That's what Manfred wants is two-hour baseball. Manfred really would know. like to fit a game in an hour and a half where they have a runner on second to start the inning for all nine innings. If we if we take all every game down to an hour and 57 minutes, we could extend the season from like 162 games out to like 192. I think that will kill Eloy Jimenez and numerous <laughs> other members of the White Sox. They will breathe their last breath. <laughs> yeah, they're going through their full 40-man roster before they're able to expand. They should do they should do 365 day a year baseball and just allow teams to greatly expand their rosters, and so we get like a couple of really shitty players play. You know, you get like shitty like fringe AAA guys playing in the majors in December in uh, Chicago or uh, Toronto. The owners would be so <laughs> against that. How are they supposed to be able to manipulate their guys' service time if there's more games? <laughs> Uh, you know, while we're on baseball, do we just want to talk about, I know you guys might've had some other baseball news. Do we just want to jump right into that before the takes? Yeah, sure. I, I have one that, as I said, Sam and I, uh, text each other a little bit about, and it is fucking infuriating in my eyes. It is that Fernando Tatis is able to play in the fucking minors while suspended. Yeah. Did you, when did you find that out? Uh, like a week or so ago, because there was the one uh, minor league pitcher that said uh, they're like, the I think tweet? he quote tweeted one of yeah. the home run tweets about Tatis. And he's like, he's a fucking cheater. And I respect the hell out of that. Fuck that. I he, think he you said, are, not only do you have like a potential MVP candidate pre like all of this scandalous shit of him of him on PEDs in the minors in general you know he's coming off roiding himself up so it's extra pissy that you're getting like your livelihood potentially fucked on by this and uh i fucking hate it uh i think if you are suspended you have to be suspended for those games without any tune-up tune-ups part of the repercussions so he they should have to he shouldn't be able to play minor league ball until he is out done with his 80 game suspension I want to find the, hold on I want to find the tweet here. Uh Sam what are your thoughts while I keep looking for the tweet? I couldn't agree more. I mean I, I was kind of stunned. I guess maybe this has always been the case and I just probably was not following the sport as closely back when guys were more frequently getting suspended for PEDs. But yeah, it it feels like it feels kind of unfair to me that that he gets basically a, a free spring training at other minor league teams' expense in, in some degree. He just gets to go and warm up uh, that way and still kind of be a part of the organization. He's probably, you know, he's training with members of, of the Padres, all that stuff. Like, I, I think it's bullshit. He dug his own grave, and, and it's like seeing him get sucked off on social media for hitting, like, three bombs in a game against Joe Bumfuck of, like, the <laughs> main 
lobster shrimp or whatever the fuck they're playing against. Like, it doesn't do it for me. It's like, oh, wow, that's that's real fucking impressive. It, it, I know it's proportionally not like this, but it feels like, you know, me going to an L- local elementary school and just, like, posting up some third graders <laughs> whoa, every whoa, possession. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> and doing what? <laughs> posting up some third graders every possession. You know, and I'm just, I, obviously I'm going to look dominant, but is anyone going to respect me for it? Fuck no. You know what would be sad is if you didn't look dominant. And uh, just to be clear, uh, Portland's minor, or uh, sorry, the Maine minor league baseball teams in Portland, Maine, and they are the Portland Sea Dogs. They're not, yeah, the, lobster, they're not the lobster shrimp. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sam would have you believe, but uh, so I, I found a tweet here. And it's actually a reply tweet that has since been uh, deleted by one Cade McClure. So uh, Darnay Tripp, who I assume I'm not familiar with. I assume he's some sort of analyst or or sports personality because he's got a blue check. uh, Who comes out and says, uh, Cade McClure will be telling people for years about the time he gave up up an absolute nuke to Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, The Cade McClure claps back. Cheater hits a home run on a rehab assignment during a steroid suspension, which fair yeah no absolutely go fuck yourself fernando tatis all time just bitch made fucking lie to to be like i totally didn't take steroids it was the ringworm medication i had which is a different drug that just looks similar to the well no no no, i will like steroid cream if you use enough of it if you have like a cream whether you use it for like a rash or something now that might be different than ringworm or whatever the fuck he was using it for that legitimately will show up on a PED test. Well, yeah, but no, no, that's not what happened. He blamed a like a ringworm type steroid cream for it, which was a different drug than what he got popped for. The names were just very similar. Uh-huh. He what like do you got mean there's no, it was like there's no trend in this. <laughs> yeah, legitimately, dude. Their, their names. I can't. I wish I could remember off the top of my head, but he's right. The names were like just one letter apart, and I'm pretty sure that. Tatis like just real quick jumped over to Google and was like what is this used for and he fucked up the typing just a hair and saw ringworm for the other thing and he was like it's because I had ringworm <laughs> and he just makes a complete ass out of himself the fucking is, is, idiot is uh is getting getting got for steroids in baseball in 2023 kind of like dying of COVID in 2023 just embarrassing I yeah, mean, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, like twenty years ago, yeah, you're in you're in tall cotton with that one. But these days, I mean, like really, you're getting caught for steroids. You haven't had like, you know, we haven't had twenty years of a baseball scandal for you to figure out either how to hide <laughs> that one or how to just not do it because they've obviously taken a stance in the major league that that's not okay. Yeah, Tatis is probably hitting. Uh, is it Evan Gaddis up right now? I'm going, how the fuck do you conceal that shit, man? Uh, is, is this a bad enough stain on Tatis's career to make him no longer eligible? Not not officially, but unofficially no longer eligible for the uh, the Hall of Fame. Very possibly. The thing is, by the time he's up for it, you know, maybe some of those writers who are like so adamant against the Bonds and Sosas and Maguires are, are going to fucking maybe die or retire and not have a vote anymore. But I think that, like, if, if it was the people that are currently voting for the Hall of Fame, yeah, I, I think there's a decent chance that he, he'd, he'd be fucked. Maybe he'd they'll open it up to baseball it. podcasters someday, and we'll all get a <laughs> They better. And it, he's I'll just never, not going to. 
He's just not going to get a shot at the fucking... I don't think he has a shot with his career trajectory at the Hall of Fame anyways. He's a mediocre fucking in the field. He he can't stop crashing his motorcycles to stay healthy if he's not juiced. And now he's juiced. Like, I don't think he can... I know that's crazy to say because he's young, but I don't think he can put together a career that would get him into the Hall of Fame with that, with all those sort of culmination of things combined. If I had a vote, I would still not vote in Sammy Sosa just to screw with this one kid I went to the first grade with. Fuck you, Tyler. Damn. (laughs) Any any other baseball discussion? The Astros continue to shit the bed. Uh, The White Sox are somehow worse than 500 and don't seem to be gaining on that which is kind of pissing us off. I thought Colin might have saved our ass by not taking a consensus play uh, going for the uh, White Sox money line this past weekend, but uh, no. Trust me, I did enough damage to my own bankroll. Sam, what do you have to say for yourself? (laughs) I was going to save some White Sox talk for a little later in in the episode, but uh, I I agree with with your entire sentiment about the team. They're fucking terrible. It's a bummer that they're not going to sniff 500 again this year. The theory was the theory existed. Now it's dead. They're fucking terrible. And our, our next 10 is Tampa, 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 Toronto, 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 Tampa, 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 Tampa. We are done. Dead in the water. Well, you know what? You might not be so fucked against Toronto. Uh, Houston Kevin currently up by four. Up. Yeah, Houston's currently wow. up by four. That's so. pathetic for Toronto. It's uh, in the first inning, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that actually is that pathetic. Was a, okay. That was a 7-10 it's, central it's, game. It, it is like their <laughs> ace is the one getting lit up. It's bottom of the first, 4 nothing with one out, runners on second and third. Oh, no. Would that he be Brio? This game's been going for 20 minutes, and it's still... We're, we're still in the bottom. Well, okay, I guess we are on the bottom of the first, but Houston's still at bat. <laughs> Who was it? Is it Gosman or Berea? Yeah, it's Gosman. Yeah. Okay. So here's one other little little thing I noticed in this season that is going to be dumb that I th- you guys will probably say is dumb that it bothers me, but maybe all will agree. It is the usage of the term sweeper on a pitch that has been – I feel like they've just – switched from slider to sweeper on pitches and yeah. it bo- unless i missed it last year it bothers the fuck out of me oh see, i think you're I right prefer, and I, agree. I mean yeah all the all the a sweeper quote-unquote is is just a it's just a slider that moves a little bit just called a fucking slider you've called it a slider for how how many decades yeah, yeah no and just because a guy just that, can put some like, movement on it you used to say oh th- this guy's great because he can put a little he can make that slider really move left to right and now well, it's a fucking then, sweeper well, i guess prefer wh- slutter <laughs> well that that's that's a diff <laughs> that that's got to have more speed to it but no the slurve would be the best like slurve. the other comparable yeah. well no the slurve has been a thing though longer than a like the slurve has been a known term yeah exactly no that's what i'm saying is like yeah. like it should be called a slurve not a fucking sweeper i despise that that has become a term like because there's Senga, uh, the ki- uh, the asian guy for the mets has the ghost fork but that's more of a you know just term for his pitch and it's not really like it's still a fork ball they just call it a go like for him a ghost fork because players have said it disappears on him you know they can't hit it shit like that the sweeper becoming a normalized fucking pitch instead of like a slider or a slurve pisses me off so much 
So in the uh, on the south side of Chicago, they should call it a street sweeper. <laughs> oh, wow. Or in South Central LA. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's out of the pregame and a little bit of baseball talk into a little thing I like to call slow pitch, fast pitch, where I give each of my co-hosts, uh, hopefully at least a day before, sometimes just half a day before, uh, a take that they have to agree or disagree with, and the other one has to blind react to it. Um, the slow pitch should be an easier take, and the uh, fast pitch should be a little bit hotter take. Maybe it's a harder buy. Sometimes the lines are blurred between the two, and this may be one of those weeks again where I can't. I had ideas, but the more I think about them, my mind is changing. Uh, Colin, which one do you think you have? You think you have the slow pitch or the fast? So it's this one was tough because the the topic you base mine off of you don't know that well. So then I feel like it's a slow pitch because you, you I, I think it's the slow pitch, but okay. I was not confident on it. It was, it was a tough blend this time. Okay, Sam, what do you think you have? Um, see, I would have considered mine a hot take. I, I, on your scale, I would guess I would have guessed the slow, but it, I'd say it's a fast pitch. Okay, good because I hadn't. Uh, the more I thought about this, I really hadn't decided which one is which. So congratulations, Colin. You have the slow pitch. Uh, I think Austin Reeves just had his moment in the sun the other night and will quickly fade back into obscurity forever on a mediocre career. Colin? <laughs> so, and this is why I said, like, that's why I preface this with, like, I don't thought, I didn't think it was the fast pitch because you don't follow the NBA that much, which we will, you know, discuss in a little bit there. Reeves can't, well, he's a, he's a sophomore, I believe, in, in the NBA. It's his second year, right, Sam? Yeah. So he had a sort of decent, you know, rookie year for not being exactly a highly touted prospect out of OU. And so, and he's built upon it. He played even better this year where he's like weirdly, once they traded uh, Russ away, but even while Russ was there, he he was their third or fourth guy on that team and still sort of is. Like D'Angelo Russell's the bigger name, but Reeves has sort of pulled a Tyler Hero type move i feel like where he's where he's getting that attention you know for but he's not he's not as douchey looking as tyler hero is in my yeah. opinion. well, well let, let's 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 just roll this back a little bit let's also remember that this is the lakers where it's the lebron show it's the the ad show and then like a bunch of guys who before the season or at the beginning of the season i had heard a lot of people say what the fuck is this roster it's just disjointed who the fuck else is gonna score well so Reeves was pretty de- as I said, good as a rookie last year when LeBron was out. He sort of care was carrying the Lakers this year in games when LeBron was hurt. Like he's just had a really like good year. Um, I actually was I, that's what Sam might be piecing together why I mentioned something earlier is uh, he could have even been in the running for like most improved almost. Uh, where he just sort of had a like a big jump in his play, even though he like he just had low expectations coming into the league, and he surpassed him both years. Like he built upon a good rookie year. He's weirdly like a really good for the Lakers, which is annoying, uh, especially since it's LeBron's Lakers. That's fucking annoying that he's bailing LeBron out in the playoffs so far. But I like him. Um, I don't think yesterday was his moment in the sun. I think it's just a part of a really good season he's had, and that who knows maybe he'll keep it going. That that if he if he doesn't sustain, I won't be t- 
totally shocked, but he's definitely sort of broken out as like a good rotation player for sure. So the reason I say that moment in the sun and use that kind of term is because, you know, really, when have you heard his name other than, you know, sometimes people being a little bit sarcastic about him on the Lakers, maybe underestimating him or, you know, just not taking him seriously. But I, throughout the course of a day, uh, at work, if I have a slow day, and then on the way into work and way out of work, I ended up listening to like four or five different sports radio shows, depending on how much desk work I have to do versus field work at my job. And today was one of those days. Um, and everybody was ta- you know, everybody had the name Austin Reeves in their mouth, which seems like something that it's like I said, it seems like one of those one shining moment kind of deals. Although this isn't college basketball, we'll talk about that later. Um, and, and I. He just doesn't seem, you know, knowing as little about the NBA as I do, I do know a little bit about college ba- or uh, college basketball and, uh, you know, where these guys come from. And he just doesn't seem like he'll have a sustainable career at that level. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't th- just he didn't have high expectations going into the NBA and he is continuously sort of impressed. So I feel like he will just be like a good like a good off the bench guy for most good teams if that he's playing on like sort of a reliable scorer the next, off the bench. The next Kyle Corver. He's better than Kyle Corver. <laughs> I I see where you would like to draw the comparison to Kyle Corver, but no, Austin Reeves legitimately is he had a remarkable scoring season, not necessarily in terms of volume. He averaged 13 a game, which is respectable, certainly, for a role player. But he was extremely efficient this year, and that's pretty much what makes you stick or not stick as an offense-first guy in the league, and he, he does it. He also has uh, he had a really high free throw rate in like the last couple months of the year, as did a lot of the guys on the Lakers. But he's really good at, at getting inside, drawing fouls, and finishing – even when he doesn't draw fouls, he actually had the highest layup percentage. I saw some graphic about that. He was like 72% on layups this year, which was like best among qualified guards or something like that. Like he, he actually has a lot of skill to him, and I think he has a very sustainable career. Whether he will ever hit this level of, of sort of notoriety that he's growing into right now again, I could see that not happening. So I could see this being his moment in the sun in that context. He is a free agent. The Lakers may or may not be able to pony up to keep him. He's going to get paid a pretty good-sized contract. Um, and, I mean, as soon as he's not on the LeBron Lakers, there's going to be a lot less uh, adoration for him from the whole sports media community, even if he continues to even get a little better as a player. So I could see both sides of this take, but I'm a believer in him, the player. Okay, well, And we'll... actually, so Dylan, real quick, you know why you may have heard about him more today than anything else? Because well, he had a he great also went game. To... Well, not just that. He went to Wichita State, and all these people probably don't follow the NBA but see playoff stuff because it's a little bit bigger than regular season NBA. Only, only one of the radio shows was Wichita was Wichita based, so I will give you uh, credit for like twenty. I will give you twenty percent credit on that one. Yeah, I mean he did, he had a good game as well, but yeah, I was about to say I I think that also your your location influenced hearing it as well because he did transfer from there to OU and then went in the NBA. So there's enough ties for them to talk about him no the wichita espn affiliate only has like one non-national show a day one or two the rest of it's filled up with national guys um uh yeah so we'll see if we hear more from probably future pacer uh, austin reeves <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, before we move on to the fast pitch i just wanted to point out 
that the Astros in the top of the second are currently up seven to one versus the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Still so. trash. And then uh, onto the fast pitch, this is supposed to be a little bit of a hotter take. Like I said, some weeks the lines are a little blurred, especially when there's a lot less food for takes um, as there is you know, around this time of year. Uh, Sam already knows he's got this one, but uh, the Jets will still suck with Aaron Rodgers if the trade you know, is completed and goes through. And I may go so, so far to say that it will even be a disaster. Sam? I do think that takes a little warm for me. I think that there's if there's a good chance Aaron Rodgers' personality might not blend seamlessly with everybody in New York to where maybe that disaster ending eventually happens. You could certainly get me on board for that, and I'd be a happy fucking camper. But I kind of don't buy it. What I do buy is that maybe they're not going to win the AFC East. I mean, that's a damn good division. I think they have a really good young defense is the thing. Like, And and now they have a solid O-line. They have good pieces on the outside, at least with Garrett Wilson looking like a stud, and they've got more to spend. Um, they got Alan Lazard, Rogers' buddy, to come up there uh, out wide. So, I, I mean, I think they're a pretty damn solid roster. I don't. I think they have a fairly high floor for that. I don't think Rodgers is going to go in and just stink up the joint and tank their season himself. Uh, but I honestly, I do think that there's a good chance they're still the third best team in the AFC East just by nature of Buffalo being a power right now. And I, I'm still a believer in Miami as well. Their their defense is loaded with fucking talent now. They have Vic Fangio. I think he, he'll relish the chance to maybe make Aaron Rodgers look bad without all that Bears-Packers baggage hanging over his opportunities. He used to do a good <laughs> job of it when he was the D.C. for the Niners back in the day. Um, and I think Miami's got a little bit more punch offensively around their quarterback than the Jets. So, I could see the Jets maybe going something like 9-8. and eight. I don't know if a disaster is in the cards, though, as much as I would love to see it unfold. So here's here's what I am foreseeing and why this kind of comes up. So one of the – there are many problems at Green Bay, right? But one of them I think we can all agree on is that um, Aaron Rodgers wasn't really clicking with all of his young – teammates they tried to surround like he was surrounded by all these young players and he was on the record as saying like these guys don't get it you know i've been in the league for 20 years these guys have been in you know i've been in the league as long as these kids have been alive like you know they, they just don't get it he's not clicking with he's tired of the shit so he goes over to the jets who who wants to say it are full of young talent yeah <laughs> i <laughs> That, that's part of it. That's one part of it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like he'd make a... Cons- I guess that's wild to say. He might make a concerted effort with a change of scenery like that. I don't know. That's with not... The guy. There's like, no more of that in Aaron Rodgers anymore. He's fucking... He's not... He is, he's like Ben Roethlisberger at the end of his career. Like, he, he like Ben Roethlisberger hated Mason Rudolph. Like, I'm not going to teach you shit. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just like, I don't <laughs> think he would... I think he would have just stayed at Green Bay if he didn't really give a fuck and just wants to, you know, get that paycheck, though. He wouldn't be like, I've decided I want to play for the Jets just to go, uh, like, not make an effort to figure out the locker room, all that shit. I could also just see him, like, he still shows that he's talented as fuck at quarterback here and there, but the past few years it's been a little more sparing. Now, I could see that the actual talent drop-off of his own being what causes that to be a disaster, which, 
you know, is tough to sell because he's been so goddamn good and continues to look good. But, I mean, I could see that being an issue for the, you know, him being just maybe early struggles and then he checks out. Something like that creates a disaster. So let's go, you know, uh, let's... Sounds stupid to say, but if you divorce a little bit of the on-field success, you know who Aaron Rodgers as a coach really, really clicked with? McCarthy. Because I'm pretty sure McCarthy just went over and like said, hey, Aaron, why don't you just run the offense? and I'll just stay hands-off. You can do what you want to do. We'll sign whoever you want us to sign to surround you on the offense for the most part. You know, Obviously, we can't afford everybody. There's cap room. There's cap space. Um but here you go, Aaron. You run the offense. You tell us, you know, you be the LeBron of this Lakers Green Bay team. And, uh, you know, we, we can just do this. And then you get Matt LaFleur, who maybe isn't as willing to do that. And now you kind of got to hope, if you're Aaron Rodgers, that uh, Robert Sala is is going to feel the same way, you know? And, and I don't know. I guess I don't know about enough about the Jets and enough about the way that Robert Sala coaches to know if that's something that's going to work or not. But it seems to me like that's a pretty rare thing to give somebody that amount of control, uh, especially if you're just coming into the fold. You know, you have a vision as a head coach, and while a player might fit that vision, he may not share the same vision, and it may be difficult to turn the reins over like I'm sure Aaron Rodgers kind of wants. Well, here's something that, that might come of interest to you, Dylan. I'm not sure if you were aware, but Robert Sala, I mean, obviously he's the ultimate authority on the Jets, their offensive coordinator is the one and only Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the the instant reaction is, is to laugh for both for me and for you. I mean, we know we remember him from his Denver tenure, which was just catastrophically bad. But he was the OC. Before going to Denver, he was the OC for the Packers. And Rodgers was all over his dick in the interview in, in the media basically just saying Nathaniel Hackett's the fucking best. I love working with him. Like he's the man. And that's who the O. C. is for the Jets. So I think really the reins are gonna be in Aaron Rodgers' hand as much as he wants them with Nathaniel oh, Hackett. Yeah. That's exactly why they hired him is for him to continue being a Rogers clipboard bitch. But whether they get <laughs> Rogers suddenly is, you know, a bigger issue for him. How do you look at – I don't want to talk too much about this, but how are you the Jets? And you look at what happened on the Broncos with uh, Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach and say, hey, I want that to run my offense. Really? I mean, I think you take – A, game management is out of his hands to some degree, which was where he was the most in over his head. Um, and I think you pretty much are just wiping wiping your eyes and looking past that shit to look at when he was the OC in Green Bay and Rodgers was shit winning. Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs with him, and really it seems like Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur was probably most of the schematic engine behind that, not Nathaniel Hackett. But, <laughs> you know, they're going to they're gonna try their best. And ironically enough, the Jets' OC that they fired to make room for Nathaniel Hackett was Mike LaFleur. So, like, there's a lot of sort of bleed over between the, the, this little coaching tree and, and, you know, and Rodgers and all that. So, so I actually, I have the hotter take, which would have made it a much hotter take. Are we going to see a repeat of uh, the last uh, Green Bay quarterback where, um, yeah, he's on the Jets for a split second and then comes over <laughs> and uh, makes a run in the regular season with my Vikings? 
I would prefer not to see that, but I will live with it because you know damn well it's the Vikings and he ain't winning the title. Oh, yeah, you'll have a great regular season just like that. Well, the Brett Favre season with the Vikings was a good regular season. I won't call it, like, great or amazing. It was a really good regular season just to disappoint immediately in the playoffs again, like always. So Took it all the way to OT of the conference championship, right? I mean, that's that's about as, as unimmediate as the Vikings can do it. Well, it's no miracle in Minneapolis, but... That's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, any last words on Aaron Rodgers before we move on? Fuck him. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. It'd be easier to say fuck him on the Jets. Uh, if that trade goes through, we might have to have our friend Corbin on the podcast to talk about the Jets. How would you? Yeah, I would like, like that. that. Okay. He'd do um, it too, I bet. Just so we can also shit on the Mavs more. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be a, it'd be two twofold work. <laughs> we yeah. do we bait and switch him talking saying we're gonna talk about the Jets and then we just rake him over the coals for an hour straight about the Mavs being a fucking shit show. I'm hey Dwight Powell though, am I right? I'm not gonna give a <laughs> shit about the NBA draft, but I know you guys might a little bit and Corbin definitely will, so we might have to have him on for that too later in the year. So Alrighty, uh, let's move on to what probably will become our main topic tonight. Uh, We've been on the record on this podcast numerous times uh, mentioning how much better we think uh, college basketball from a a sports fan perspective and an entertainment value. We think that college basketball is a lot more entertaining than the NBA. Uh, Sam, why don't you take us away on, on why that might be? Yeah, I'd love to, and I'll try and kind of steer away from leaning too much into just the obvious personal bias of, oh, I root for a fucking blue blood, and they're good every year, and that's pretty fun. But, no, just zooming out a little bit, like, uh, the the obvious thing that jumps out to me, at least, is just that every game matters a substantial amount more. There's a lot more emotion, like, in the players throughout, pretty much from start to finish of the regular season. Like, they go out and play fucking hard, especially in conference. Like, there's rivalries that that feel like they mean a little bit more than any particular matchup in the NBA with maybe a couple exceptions throughout the league. Um, And really, it it just feels like the the NBA regular season is kind of a a long, drawn-out, exposition for the playoffs whereas the college basketball season is is just much more hard fought pretty much the, the whole way through and it, it feels like you know the teams are invested in in the outcome of, of all their different games controlling their own destiny you know playing for positioning in the conference tournament and then playing for the chance to make the NCAA tournament obviously March Madness is, is pretty much the best sporting event in the world in all of our opinion um, and that that weighs in here too that college basketball gets to hang its hat on that uh, but really there, I mean there's just a lot of different reasons like that, that you can point to and Another one I would say is that the defenses can kind of dominate a game for a long stretch of time, which you almost don't see in the NBA because the shot making in the NBA is so automatic. A lot of people make the argument the NBA is better for that reason because everybody is so damn effective, so damn efficient, and I can see that argument. But to me, it's it's entertaining to see teams having to run set plays, adjust schemes against different defensive schemes. Oh, shit, we're playing a team that presses all night tonight. We're playing a team that likes to run a zone. You don't yeah. see that kind of shit in the NBA. 
and and you'll see teams go scoreless for six, seven, eight minutes and watch a game slip away when the when the other team just tightens the screws on defense. You never see that in the NBA. I just think there's a lot more variety and and a lot more intensity in college. So the, the, the short version, if you can call it that, for me is that. Yeah, there are no fifty-two to fifty-six games in the NBA. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Yeah, there's just, yeah, the whole being able to, you know, have stretches of defense just completely take over a game. You don't see that as much in the NBA. NBA, people will sit out, you know, back-to-backs. Like, you don't see that in college. And you may have less people you know in college, but, you know, they're going 100% the whole time, every time. And the the Cinderella's in, the, in college basketball – are more like they capture i think more of what's fun about it than like a cinderella in the nba like playoffs because there's never really one and now the nba has just you know the nba keeps trying to kill their their own product holy fuck man they go from the play-in tournament which like you play an eight like it's like baseball you know is expanding their playoffs here and there and they play 162 games for a reason they kept expanding and it's like stop it don't play, like you're playing these games for a reason the nba has you know the second longest season of any of the pro sports it's right there with hockey i don't actually i don't pay attention to hockey to actually know for sure They're but the they play same, yeah. gotcha they play 82 games and they're like well you know what we're gonna have the nine and ten seed teams have the have include this play in tournament to see if they can make it, and it's like they did that with COVID, which made sense, you know, because there's a little more uh, fluctuation of the schedule, fluky, you know, things could happen there with you know the shutdown and restart of the season, all that shit. But keeping it, and then like. I don't hate the play-in tournament as much as I initially did, but I still don't care for it. It's just a cash grab by them. And then now they're adding this fucking mid-season tournament type shit that they're doing that's just convoluting the shit already. You already have guys that won't play back-to-backs, all this shit. And the NBA is just fucking with their own product way too much. Um, I feel like refing in NBA games has gotten some some days borderline intolerable like you got your ump show for baseball and you got your ref show or yeah ref show and fucking i feel like the nba more than you do college basketball because like when college basketball is bad it almost seems like they tend to be bad for both teams when it's the nba not so much it's one team is just getting sucked on for calls Dude, I, I want to touch on the mid-season tournament thing that you mentioned. That needs to be specifically bitched about because, to me, it is the most fucking ridiculous, convoluted idea. I mean, they, they just made it the fuck up. The The incentive is just literal cash for the players. It's just, a, like, it, the it's composed of a random selection of regular season games that they're just going to put like a fancy graphic on the scoreboard and say, this is the mid-season tournament. And then they expect the fans to give a shit. Like if I'm a Bulls fan this year and say they just pick a random sample of eight of our games where we happen to go seven and one amongst our 40 and 42 season, 
and then they go, you won the <laughs> midseason tournament, and Zach Levine gets an extra half a mil or whatever. The, like, do you think I give a shit at all? I, I, it, it makes no sense to me. It makes Hold no up. sense to me. Why this the fuck not, would I care? This is not something I am aware of because I don't follow I, – I follow, like – I follow the NBA from a level where, okay, if you listen to, like, from, yes, people know about the Super Bowl, people know about the World Series, people know something about NFL playoffs. That's that's the level, like, that very, very high, you know, well, you know, surface level I'm at for the NBA. What the fuck is this midseason tournament you're telling me about? So you're not totally clueless because this is this is, did not happen yet this season, but it has now been agreed upon. They agreed on a new CBA a couple months ago, and they'd been floating this idea. I personally never thought it would get approved because it's so fucking goddamn stupid. <laughs> but basically they the concern that the NBA is trying to fix is – they know that no one gives a fuck about their regular season games. They know it. They and and they're their under the impression. <laughs> yeah, the players don't. And the fans don't. And they're under the impression that fans aren't going to care to watch because the ratings really aren't that good on RSNs for regular season NBA. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to drum up some form of extra meaning for regular season games. And they have announced that there is now going to be a mid season tournament. That the two. It's basically. They're, every team starts competing in it, and they just pick random like a, a handful of games of yours throughout like December to February, I think, that are considered tournament games, just part of your regular season schedule. Do you know ahead of time that they're a tournament game? I believe so. Yes. And the only um, the only thing you get from it is like additional payment, like additional. Yeah, the like, two like best a contract team, rider I, saying if you do well, you get paid more. Uh-huh. Well, it's like it's like the all MLB All Star game now. Yeah, but that's it's fun. Like they're, oh yeah, no, I'm saying, like, <laughs> but it's just like that's all they're getting is extra money, and it's just like, how many of those guys are gonna give a shit? The All Star break is fun though, because you have like you know the home run tournament. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, just saying that's, that's, they're that's playing fun. for a cash. They're playing for a cash prize, like, and to some of those players, it's gonna be a relatively insignificant amount of money. So, it's just it's stupid it it won't capture fan engagement any more than the regular season already does if anything require your fucking players to play you know a certain amount of games or they're not eligible for the playoffs barring it being a true injury so i want to go back well first i want to say that this sounds a lot like something uh, as going i went to high school with a lot of people who did care about the nba you know that's fine uh but this this uh mid-season tournament seems a lot like nothing other than giving bragging rights to 13-year-olds in cities that have NBA teams or cities adjacent to NBA teams on why their team is the best. Pacers fans go crazy. Yeah. Uh, that pretty much is what it is. The problem is that, dude, even a smart 13-year-old would tell the other 13-year-old, no one gives a fuck. The real playoffs are in April. <laughs> I, 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 this can't, this, I, this just doesn't click with well, me. No, no, this, this, it's so ridiculous. To here's me. how the argument goes. It's like, oh, my team's the best. Cause we just won the midseason tournament or whatever. It's like, well, my team's going to be the best. Cause we're going to win the fucking tournament. In, or we're going to win the playoffs in whatever. And it's just going to whatever. Uh, but I want to go back to something that echoes what Sam said, where 82 games is too many for the NBA. I might be slightly more inclined to care about it if I knew literally anything in the regular season mattered. Uh, it does matter as a whole, obviously, to get into the play-in games or get into the playoffs. But uh, you play in the in the college basketball regular season. You play what? 
30-ish games. Yeah, it's like 32 roughly. Yeah, and game, you know, teams get off by one or two based on whatever uh, invitationals or tournaments you play in. But uh, those, 30, those 30 games are not just giving you... Where in the NBA, your win-loss is for seeding. Like, purely win-loss for seeding, correct? There's probably some tiebreakers for scoring or something in the NBA, right? That's right. There used to be, if you won your division, you were guaranteed top four. That's not even a thing anymore. I was aware of that. I I was aware of that part, Sam. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, But in college basketball, short of winning your conference tournament, you are trying to, like, draw up an impressive resume all year to get a a chance at the postseason. Do we think the NBA becomes a lot more relevant in the sports world, not the entertainment world? Because right now the the NBA is like a Hollywood entertainment product. Uh, Does the NBA become a lot more relevant in the sports world if they shorten the season to like 40 games? Which will never happen, but if they shorten the game to 40, shorten the season to 40 games and come up with a, a much more stringent like playoff criteria... If, if if they did trim down the playoffs like that to go with it, I think, yeah, it would naturally kind of gain some, like, importance or they're a little bit more momentousness to each individual game. But I don't think necessarily, like, overall it is going to change that much because the problem with the NBA is that, like, it's it's not even an open secret anymore. It's pretty much just fact acknowledged by all the teams that like you pretty much need a top 10 player on your roster to have any chance if you don't have one you have no chance and then you still need like probably a top 20 ish guy good defenders and and there's like a very clear even when the regular seasons c teams kind of throw a good stretch together and win 50 plus games you kind of already know when teams just don't have a chance in the nba and usually there's really only a few true contenders each year, and it's fairly obvious through the year who they're going to be. And that just takes away from the intrigue. So here's here's one other thing. It just seems like uh, kind of like baseball, but obviously we're all baseball fans. We enjoy that baseball has a very long season, right? For, from March until October, you get baseball. But it seems like the NBA is never-ending, Right. So, like, why why do I need to pay attention now? Because it'll just be there all the time, right? When does the season start? When, when was opening day? We talked about it. I can't remember what episode that was. It used to be the very end of October. I'm not sure if it still is since COVID, but it's, like, early November, if not. Okay, so you get October to June is, is, is NBA season. Whereas college basketball, okay, you go uh, – November to March and that that's it. it it seems like it's over as fast as it started which makes it a little more special now granted I'm sure they make a lot more money in the NBA because they can sell 82 games worth of advertising and then this long incredibly drawn out playoff process uh does every game need to be a seven game series I guess <laughs> yeah that that's one that I forget the NBA does seven games from the out start which I don't mind somewhat but at the same time it's yeah it takes everything so long especially since they take a fucking day off in between games that are at home like it's you know they played what sunday or saturday was the start of the playoffs right that sounds right and then the teams who played saturday didn't play uh, some of them are playing tonight only at home, at, 
Yeah, only two of them, yeah, which is two insane. Of them, two, of, two of the games get two days off. For, yeah, it pissed me off. I'm, and they're at home. It's not like they yeah. changed location like they got yeah. the travel day. It's absurd. Yeah. Like, they just dick around, and then, like, they NBA ratings chase is so hard is how it comes across that they're just trying to get in every single penny they can and it diminishes the product like especially playoffs like holy fuck you do not need two rest days in between games one and two of your playoff series zion probably does although that's not going to be much of a problem for him this year is it? that's <laughs> right no that bust is not <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, I think we've been pretty clear about why we why we uh, prefer college basketball. I'm sure a huge portion of it is just the fact that March Madness exists, and that's like our premier sporting event of the year. Um, any last words on basketball before we move on to Collins Cap and Corner, since we've already talked about baseball uh, quite a bit today, and there's plenty more baseball to talk about through October. Fuck LeBron. Fair. Although, for some reason, I've started gaining more respect for him in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles, which you're both going to spit on me for. But, you know. Not go, Russ. This is a Russell Westbrook podcast. That is correct. Uh, let, yeah, let's, so let's move on to our betting segment, Colin's Capping Corner, and let's try not to forget uh, Bum of the Week this week because I have one. I even All have right. one, too. And then, Dylan, start us off. With your good, bad, ugly, and bum of the weeks, double Bs. Okay, hold on. I got to pull up. Actually, go to Sam first if he has his good, bad, and ugly ready. I I did not make notes for that one. All right. Well, Sam, you're getting (laughs) put on into it then. What do you got for us? Well, in typical uh, pathetic fashion for myself, I do not have a full roster for the good, bad, and ugly. But what I do have is some bad and some ugly, which are the same game, and will lead conveniently into my bum of the week, too. So we're all just we're just going to knock all this shit out. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the only bet I put my name on this week was the White Sox that I, me and Dylan went in on together behind Dylan Cease against Grayson Rodriguez yesterday. Felt pretty good about that one going in. Obviously, with Cease, it feels a lot more confident. Um, and the, the Sox got up 4 nothing in the first inning. Hit, hit a three-run homer and a solo homer off of Grayson Rodriguez, and I was flying high. Dylan Cease on the mound. He got through the first uh, inning in eight pitches, and we we're up 4 nothing. I I told Colin, we, we were talking at the time, and I said, wow, you know, this thing isn't over, but it's about as close to over in the first inning as you ever get with the Sox. And uh, wouldn't you know it, they lost that game, and it wasn't even competitive. I believe it ended up 8-4. to four. Uh, The Cease didn't have his best stuff. He didn't blow the game for us but he let Baltimore back into it and then the bullpen just completely melted down as they have done time and time again Um, and I watched my money evaporate with that leading me to my bum of the week and really this is sort of a culmination of a, a, a long and concerted effort on his part to earn this distinction he really could be a candidate for bum of the year bum of the decade arguably we're just gonna throw out white Sox general manager rick hahn who despite some of the constraints i i jerry reinsdorf sucks as an owner sure he won't pay up for the big free agents like bryce harper sure but the Sox payroll like last year was like sixth or seventh it's not that far off of that this season either and what rick hahn has managed to do is have a top 10 payroll and a bottom 10 team and, and it, it just and he's been in the, on the job a decade. He, we have not won a playoff series under him. 
uh, and we're currently just looking at a hopeless organization right now. It's a damn shame, man, because I was really riding high as recently as two years ago. Not that the Sox were some dynasty to be, but that they were going to be playing competitive baseball at least through the mid-2020s. Like, that looked almost certain just a couple years ago, and we have successfully run this organization into the ground. Pretty much every move we've made since then has, has failed to pan out. Our young players are not developing. We can't keep our guys on the field at all. And all, all Rick Hahn has to say about it is fucking snarky jabs about how about how any fan who complains is an idiot and shit like that. I, 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 my patience is completely worn out with him, and it's just a depressing spot to be because he isn't going fucking anywhere. The, they tried to scapegoat Tony Larusa, who definitely was a problem. I'm not here to here to whitewash Tony Larusa's White Sox career, but there was a hell of a lot more wrong with the team than a manager, and it's showing this year. They are going to be out by the end of May. There is no coming back, even in the Central. They are done for. All right, Dylan, what do you got for us? Okay, then? so mine is very succinct. Within two days, so my good is pretty good comes from Saturday where I went three for three on baseball bets. Um, I took, uh, the Astros minus one and a half versus the Rangers and they won that one handily eight to two. Uh, I had, I I really like, I'm starting to like these first three inning run totals bets. Um, although I'm not doing as hot as I would have hoped just because I feel like they're, it's kind of like a first half NFL bet you know or uh you know the first five innings is a bet too i know but i like the first three because i feel like whenever i watch (laughs) i'm pretty sure you bet them three times and burned twice yeah because when i watch baseball it seems like the games i watch there's never any scoring in the first three innings so i've been taking the unders uh but i did take the under in this one because it was under three and a half which may become my new magic line if the under is three and a half rather than two and a half which is what i've been seeing a lot of either two and a half or three and a half i'll take it that was the uh tampa bay rays or the toronto blue jays is kind of based on pitching kind of based on who they had in their starting lineups but mostly because they'd had a lot of scoring and in the mlb like long streaks of high scoring isn't super sustainable. Uh, at least if you look at it statistically, like if you have a run of so many high scoring games, it becomes statistically uh, more and more probable that you uh, have a very low scoring game. And yes, I've done the research on this uh, just a little bit. I'm trying to make it better during my lunch breaks on work based on these baseball reference uh, spreadsheets on like what your scoring streaks are and then what happens when you come to the end of that for a probability. But, uh, and, and then I also had like, uh, oh yeah, I had the under that day for the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons and the St. Louis Battlehawks. And then I'll, uh, whatever, or Seattle Mariner, whatever. Those are the two big ones. Uh, my bad then all comes from Sunday, though, uh, where I uh, took the Astros minus one and a half again, where they would lose basically the complete opposite of how they had beaten the Rangers by losing nine to one. And then also, as Sam said, the White Sox fucked us. Uh, Colin tried to save us by not making it a consensus pick, but. Uh, Dylan Cease is kind of on my shit list now for giving up eight runs. And my... You give up eight runs. <laughs> the, 
the Sox gave up eight runs. Oh, uh, whatever. It, it still counts. So I just got to defend my man's name here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was still listed he as a losing pitcher. He did blow the lead right? he was given. Was he still listed yeah. as a losing pitcher? Uh, I feel like he wasn't, but oh, okay. I, we'll I think he, he maybe gave up the four. If I'm not mistaken. By the way, since I'm already talking, I wanted to interject real quick. Um, if anybody happened to have like a, I don't know, neg 500 bet that Jacob DeGrom would leave a start injured by the end of April, you just cashed. Jesus Christ. Is he holding his elbow? Right wrist soreness. Ooh. Not typical. Uh, Sam, would you like to guess bad? who got the loss on that? game i know, uh, you know I'm gonna, who it is i i yeah i just can't remember because i've been actively repressing that kind of shit but i, <laughs> so, I don't remember who came in some would say it uh would bum you out <laughs> okay yeah damn yeah, he, yeah bummer yeah. Ah, fuck him uh, yeah he walked two guys had three earned on the stat sheet zero innings pitched i believe is what it said <laughs> And then, um, phenomenal wait, hold on, hold on, I'm not done yet. Oh yeah, sorry. And then my ugly runs into my bum of the week. My ugly, so once again, we had talked about the uh, first three innings bet, and I was liking the unders on that. I took a risk with the under two and a half. I liked under three and a half on the on the previous game I had bet in the first three innings. Uh, two and a half seems to be too low of a line. Uh, and so the Cleveland Guardians, Washington Nationals, I figure, okay, uh, the Nationals are kind of a garbage team. Uh, uh, Bieber's pitching, so you know, low scoring first three innings, which would be fine. And then we get into my bum of the week, which, as much as I like the guy normally, this week my bum of the week's fucking Terry Francona, where uh, because of his just garbage management of his entire pitching crew, his bullpen and well, mostly his bullpen. Uh, Shane Bieber had to go very deep into a game, which means he was kind of giving the Nationals some room to rack up three points in the first three innings. But you know what? I'm not as upset about that because that one's pretty close. What I am upset about is because of uh, Terry Francona allowing the Nationals to rack up three runs in three innings, uh, the Guardians had to rip off a four-run third inning. So I'm sitting here listening to this game, not watching this one on TV because I'm working around the house doing a house remodel. And uh, okay, we're at we're at uh, one score at the end of one inning. Okay, two scores at the end of two innings. Pretty good odds we have a scoreless third just because it's baseball. You know anything can happen like that. Now they rip off fucking five points between the two teams. So thank you, Terry. I hope your uh, scooter gets stolen for good this time. <laughs> All right, so going from y'all to myself, my good was most of my uh, most of my UFC card. I had four bets on it. I went three for four, and two. Uh, one of those was at plus one seventy. The other two were about even odds, so that felt nice. I I don't think I've had a positive UFC card on the year, so that. I've had some ones where they've been pretty much break even. This one I was out ahead, which was quite nice. And then one other one I had was, damn, I just lost it. It was on the thirteenth. I had Adley Rutschman over one and a half total bases, and the fucker was o four uh, o for four going into the bottom of the ninth, and I was like. There's only one way we get out of this, obviously, to squeak out at cashing that. And he uh, he took the A's, uh, I think it's Felix Batista. Yeah, oh, wrong wrong person. That's their own player. Uh, Trevor May 
uh he took him fucking yard on like the first pitch if i remember correctly to cover the over one and a half total bases so that was nice to squeak out of uh going from that to my bad i'll touch up on uh one i gave out i think on last week's pod that was my only loss on the ufc was arnold allen money line it was plus money uh he was fighting max holloway who's just I mean, he he has yelled during his fights while n- throwing no look punches at guys, saying he's the best boxer in in the UFC. And despite being a mat- long time vet, he's still young, and he he. I mean, Arnold Allen hung in there really well, but he did not win that fight, and it he didn't win it. Um, so it's dumb to bet against Max Holloway. He's one of the best in that weight class for a reason, and has had like a ten year career of being good as fuck for a reason. Uh, my other bad was, ah, oh, damn. You know what? Fuck it. Well, that that's going to ugly. Um, ugly. I have two. I had my Sunday MLB card where I went one and six, in which I had what should have been. I mean, two or three games go right down to the wire on overs, but I couldn't buy an over in that shit. The only one I got was uh, thanks to your Strohs pitching like shit to the Rangers. God, so, that was a Framber game too. <laughs> Yeah, he does not look good to start the year. Oh, fuck. Um, but I was very appreciative of it. I needed a win on the day on the on my MLB card. And Call it needed to pay up. rent. He needed a win. <laughs> I had a decent day on soccer, like going into it, but yes, because you bet I, the entire you bet the entire soccer slate for that day from every dude, country and every that league. Is, that is not remotely true. You don't know ball. <laughs> um, my ugly though is soccer related. Came from Saturday. It was uh, Paul's betting on ESPN classics. <laughs> hey man, maybe if COVID, if there's a second <laughs> COVID, I'll figure something out like that. But uh, I had Dortmund money line, and they're the second best team in Germany. Those cocksuckers went up two nil, got a red card on the team they were playing, so they were playing up a man, and proceeded to blow a two zero lead. You know, uh, scariest lead in all of soccer and hockey. Blow it score in, uh, in stoppage time just to get scored on on the last kick of the game to draw that match up a man against a mid-level team in their fucking it was it was just it was a shit performance i have them as a team like put in as bum of the week but mostly with known uh on base guy Juan Soto, who I had parlayed with uh, Trent Grisham early in the, earlier in the week for both of them to get a hit. They are both, I th- think they're facing righty for the Brewers that wasn't that good at plus money. Trent Grisham did his shit. He, had a, he hit a fucking bomb, I think, to elongate that game. Juan Soto, though, went like 0 for 4, 0 for 5. He's batting like 200 on the year. So that is my bum of the week. And from there, I know, again, with baseball, as we've said, there might just be some look-ahead spots rather than odds thrown out there. But if you have other stuff, you obviously throw out some bets. Sam, do you have anything you're sort of locked into late for later this week? I'm looking at one th- I, I need to look at the line again, but I was seeing the, the Grizzlies still favored tomorrow against the Lakers with John Morant most likely out. I could see the potential for a bounce-back game. I know they've played without John and done good before, but I, I'm going to take the Lakers in that game most likely. A nice I'll emotional hedge. The, yeah, sort of. I'll, I'll have to take a look at the playoff slate as well to see what else I'm liking, but that seems like kind of a steal to me. 
Yeah, damn, I have I have no line currently posted on it, so that might be waiting on waiting on that news to come out. I was actually trying to look at some uh series prices after those first round upsets, but the ones that were interesting, I couldn't find anything. Uh is that all for you? Uh, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to commit to, but part of me is, is eyeing up uh, the, some of the dogs again tomorrow that got the job done game one. That I wish I'd have had the balls to pull the trigger, man, because I was kind of liking the Knicks and the Clippers, but just was like not courageous enough to talk myself into it, and they both went and won on the road. Um, I, I kind of like them both for game two, but I, I feel like I might fuck myself pretty good trying to get in on them the, the second go-round. Yeah, I feel like the Knicks is the safer one comparably compared to the Clippers. Um, I thought this was a Russell Westbrook podcast. Oh, I know, but, I mean, the Suns have just still a bunch more talent, especially with Paul George not playing. Devin Booker is a big pissy. That is true. The Knicks are plus 182 tomorrow. That's the thing. The Clippers are plus 266. You tell me which one has more value. And I would, I would definitely yeah, think the yeah. Knicks would. Give me the plus money all day long. All right, I'll put you down for plus 408 on the Hawks against the Celtics. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, if, that, I, hey if, so, if I bet plus money on three of them and one of them hits, I've pretty much made my money back. Now, granted, not on that plus 182, <laughs> but on a plus 408. Yeah, you'd be only losing a little bit of money if that was the one to cash. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, what do you got for us this week? All righty, so I got three bets line. Well, actually, two bets and then kind of a one or two look ahead. Uh, USFL, uh, just kind of looking. Uh, haven't watched any of the games, but looking at some of the recaps and how the scoring went and uh, just the kind of the score layout, it looks like the New Jersey Generals are not doing so hot. Uh, now, the Pittsburgh Maulers also lost their first game, but in a much closer fashion to what a lot of people were, were thinking were going to be one of the better teams in the USFL, just based on their roster and you know coaching. Also, the New Jersey Generals have a uh, very experienced coach with not a lot of success in uh, one Mike Riley. So uh, give me Pittsburgh Maulers. Uh, minus two and a half, minus one ten. I can't remember if that's Saturday or Sunday, to be completely honest. All right, dabbling into USFL degeneracy. Yeah. Yep. Nice. And then uh, tomorrow at one p.m. in the afternoon, we have uh, Robert Milkins of Snooker fame. I've bet on him once before. Who is in this 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 uh, case a one and a half point favorite at uh, plus one fifteen. And then I have two look-aheads because there's not a lot of advanced uh, odds for baseball, at least not on the books that I use. Um, I was doing a little bit of research on baseball reference. Uh, That's going to become a recurring theme this season, I feel. I would be looking at any team total unders by the Marlins or the Royals. They're the two lowest scoring teams in the MLBs thus far. And uh, if the team total is like an under four or an under three and a half, or maybe even an under three, under three would be tight, but I would be inclined to take it. See, I <laughs> Sam knows this strategy well from me, which was last year it was betting 
uh, on teams, uh, team total overs if they were facing like the top quality aces in the MLB, like uh, yeah. Sandy Alcantara, uh, Garrett <laughs> oh, Cole. Who, Garrett, <laughs> Garrett Cole was a cash cow to do that with last year, but uh, Sandy, Shane McClanahan of the Rays, and it's just it's yeah. and just going back to the fucking little Pikachu with his mouth open meme of just when it loses, how could that happen? Like the, <laughs> how did this bet not hit just utter shock face. Um, all right. So for myself, I'm a little thin right now. I know shocker. I haven't had a lot of time to look ahead. Only 20 which, bets down or something. No, I only have one down uh, for this week to throw out there. And it is, Going back to the UFC, I am going to take Sergey Pavlovich, which is the main event dog against Curtis Blades. He's plus 144. Um, Fucking just... I think this is heavyweight. Yeah, regular heavyweights fight, uh, not light heavyweights. Uh, Both these guys are damn good. They're the third and fourth ranked fighters in their division. Uh, Pavlovich just... I don't know. He has looked so impressive in his fights lately. Uh, not that Curtis Blades hasn't. I just think he's he's pretty much the name that they're monitoring to try and get a title fight after maybe the next title fight for, at heavyweight. Um, so I think he wins this fight. If not, I mean, it's going to be a pretty actually good fight, which is tough to say about heavyweight fights. They can get pretty goddamn boring. But this motherfucker's 17-1. and one. Uh, career 14 and one by knockout and no no subs if he can keep curtis blades on his feet he, uh, he could piece him up pretty damn well his last five fights uh would you like to guess the how long the longest one of his last five fights went 40 all seconds. in the ufc too 45 seconds i mean that's ambitious uh four minutes which is still the first round Three of the five have been finished uh, by a minute and ten seconds, though. And some of these guys are, you know, top top of the line UFC heavyweights, and he's just destroying them. So, you know, maybe Blades. This is where Sergey meets his match, um, and Blades, you know, takes care of him, or he just keeps buzz on these guys. I think he keeps buzz on them, man. He he seems impressive. Uh, he has been impressive, and he is going to just throw fucking hands. So, plus 144, that's my play for now. I will obviously have plenty of volume tweeted out. That's the only one I got for the the pod, though, this week. All righty. Um, any last words, gentlemen? I like how Sam unmuted just to shake his head at me. Uh, alrighty Uh, in that case go Strohs especially tonight uh, at 8 and 1 at the top of the 4th and that will conclude our garbage sports opinions for tonight go check out our Twitter at 3PlanesSB that's at the number 3 P-L-A-I-N-S-S-B to keep up with our sports betting adventures and spreadsheet and keep an eye out for future episodes on Spotify Apple Podcasts or wherever the hell else you get your podcasts from Maybe drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, although I think those from Apple Podcasts probably matter a little bit more to the metrics. And remember, quitters never win big, and big winners never quit. We're out of here.